Hello and welcome to the latest episode of You've Never Seen Back to the Future, the podcast about films where only one of us likes films. Hello, Leah. Hello, Ross. How are you? I'm good. I couldn't decide if that was an unfair thing for me to say or not. And I thought, well, that's pretty accurate. You're not a big film fan. Correct. Yeah, no, I think you've um, you've hit the hammer on the nail. No, hit the nail on the head with that one. Jesus. Um, not a fan of phrases either, are you? Do you do much DIY? No, I don't, no. Who put up the shelves behind you? Uh, my friend Paul. <laughs> Famous Paul? Yeah, drunk Paul, um, as many like to refer to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a fabulous carpenter, if anyone needs one, in the uh, Sussex area. Um, highly recommend him. He's normally either drunk or hungover. No, no, he's not. He's very, very, very seldom drunk. Um, but it was just one time, a very long time ago, about 10 years, he came out to visit me in Romania. And um, my team out there got him absolutely smashed by giving him, you know, 80% proof shots. Um, and I didn't realise that they'd all separately taken him to the bar to give him these shots. And uh, I had to escort him home paralytic um and i just thought he was a big knob but actually it wasn't his fault at all the team had literally just like intoxicated i mean i think we actually gave him alcohol poisoning so um <laughs> yeah poor paul it's... but he's an excellent carpenter so what, what, um, what's your go-to drunk paul story um oh my god do you actually want to hear it yeah absolutely okay so my go-to drunk paul story is is this so we lived together for a long time and um he knew that one of the movies that I loved uh, was Mary Poppins um, and also The Sound of Music because I'm a massive, massive Julie Andrews fan, okay? Mm-hmm. So he, I used to watch The Sound of Music or Mary Poppins pretty much religiously and if I ever felt down or was having a crappy day, one of those two films was going on. So he knew this because we lived together for a number of years. Well, one day... Um, I had a birthday party. It was my birthday, obviously. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he found one of my colleagues, uh, a guy called John, who I worked with, and he said, oh, you work with Leah? Right, brilliant. Okay, well, um, what I want you to do is this. One day, okay, there will come a day where she tells you that she's had a really crap day and she will reference going home and watching Mary Poppins. And what you need to say to her is this. Do you have the special collector's edition version? She will say, yes. And then you have to say to her, okay, well, if you go into the DVD menu screen, there's a tiny little umbrella in the top right-hand corner. And if you double-click that icon, Julie Andrews flashes her tits. (laughs) Okay. Now, the reason that this is my favourite drunk pool story is because... (laughs) Three years prior to this incident, Paul told me this fact, right? And I said, you are such a fucking knob. There's absolutely no way that that is true. You're a lying bastard. How dare you try and, you know, basically speak ill of Julie Andrews, point one, and and, and try and in any way, like, corrupt what is, for me, uncorruptible. I hate you. But then I forgot all about it because I knew he was a big fat liar and it was a complete farce. But... Three years later, when I'm sat in my office at work after a really, really, really shitty day, and this guy, who from my memory has never met Paul, let alone, you know, has had a conversation with him around this film, tells me this, 
I literally felt my heart break into two pieces because I was like, this must be true. And he he looked at my face and he said, I'm really, really sorry. I can't go through with this. Uh, your friend Paul told me a year and a half ago <laughs> at your birthday party that if you ever referenced Mary Poppins, I had to tell you this fact, so I'm really sorry I didn't mean to break. I think I had tears in my eyes, like genuinely. So this is my favourite drunk Paul story because – his favourite thing in life for a long time was to break me. That's what he called it. And this was the longest, most intricate break that he managed to pull off because he did break my heart for about a minute. Yeah, that I mean, that, that's wonderful of him. Firstly, I cannot believe that you didn't check it in all that time. Because I knew it was a lie. Julie Andrews would never, ever, ever flash her boobs. I'm sorry. Okay. it's not. So then point two, there was that film where she got her boobs out different though isn't it if it's art she's not a flasher she's not a gratuitous flasher she's not going to allow them to have an, uh, an umbrella icon on mary poppins where mary poppins that's what the, that was the line mary poppins flashed her tits not julie andrews mary <laughs> poppins mary poppins would never ever get her boobs out i remember we when how old have i been i don't know somewhere around 20 and We'd been out with some mates and we were going back to stay at one of them because that's what you always do. You know, you stay over at someone's house. And we had a conversation on the way back about whether we were going to watch as a group activity, because this is what you did in those days. We're going to put some porn on and we'll just watch that or put on Mary Poppins because there's a bit when she goes up, when it, you know, when she kind of slides up the staircase, you can see her knickers. So we went back and at like two in the morning or whatever, drunk in my mate's house. We watched that. Reader, you do not see her knickers. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how those two, I, I, mean, I don't understand men. I mean, let's just get that out there. Mm, but how are those two things even on the table at the same time? What, of what's porn or Mary Poppins? Yeah. Because Mary Poppins knickers is like a combination of the two, right? It's it's like Mary Poppins porn is probably one of the highest rated things, I'd imagine. Mary Poppins porn. <laughs> I really want to look it up now. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to allow you to Google that. Um, I yeah, hold on. Not... Can, we, can we wrap this up pretty quickly? Because I've got yeah. some uh, some work to do. I would really like to tell you, if I may, about a film. All right, let's play the doink. I think this film is about an unsolved air disaster. It is a mystery thriller centred around a desperate struggle to find the flagship airline of the Republic of Congo's national airline. The plane had some travelling US dignitaries on board, as well as a top-secret cargo, which is being shipped directly to a military airbase. The film charts the gripping race against the clock. Who will find the plane? If the cargo falls into the wrong hands, there is no telling what will happen. I've got no idea what film you... Oh, hang on. Is it Con Air? Yes, Con Air! Do you know what I got that purely on? When you said Congo, and I'm like, that's very weird. I don't think I've, I know of any films that are about... So you think it's about the airline Con Air, which is the Congolese National Airline? Yes. Jesus. Okay. Like British Airways or, you know, Air France. So I believe that the Republic of Congo has got Conair, 
Why would they not? And their plane has crashed. And this film charts the the kind of voyage of discovery, but in more of a thriller capacity where we all go on the hunt for the plane because of the cargo. Now, I didn't want to say this, but I've got a feeling that the cargo might be of alien origin. (laughs) Fucking hell. Okay. Uh, All right. There's, There's a lot to unpack there. So this is a film... Is this like you know? Uh, so this is a film about a true story of the Congolese national airline plane going no. missing. No, no, no. no. Okay, no. sorry. That, don't say it like that's a ridiculous thing for me to say. Because firstly, you think the film Conair is about the Congolese national airline. It's um, not about. It's not about the Congolese national airline. It is about basically. It's a film about a plane goes missing and people have to find it, but it's called Con Air because it's the Congolese because it's a, airline. A Congolese airline. Not... And it's about, and so there's traveling US dignitaries on board and top secret cargo. So it's really about this top secret cargo, which you think might be alien based. It, it Well, I don't know that. There's a couple of things I'd like to say here. One, sometimes I've got a good grasp of a film, just as we've seen in, in previous episodes. You, you don't. But, um, okay, but carry on. I have never heard of this film. So to be perfectly frank, when I sat down, I it wasn't like, oh, this is from what I've heard. This is me going, okay, just literally based on the title of the film alone. I haven't seen the DVD yeah. cover or anything else. This right. has to be about. Okay, so let, let's let's kind of rewind. Be kind, rewind. Let, that's a film reference there, did you? Nope, nothing. Okay. This film is about an unsolved air disaster. So this film... Are we watching the plane go down? Do we see the plane crash? Yes, yeah, we do, yeah. We see them board the plane. We see them loading the cargo. It builds a suspense, right? Suspension. Suspense? Suspense. And in my head, these are like big wooden crates. that, And you probably see them nail it yet. Yeah, yeah, nail it shut. Do they show it nailing it shut? Uh, No, no, they just... But they are wooden crates and they've got like, you know... um, like this way up and like do not open and like in red writing on like the wooden yeah in this day and age oh is wooden crates still the best way of transporting these things this is an old film man oh okay i mean not no i think it's like 2010 and they didn't have the technology of i don't know polystyrene or or bubble wrap why aren't they transporting things in bubble wrap why is it always a wooden crate wooden crate and straw they're in the Republic of Congo. Like, I don't know how developed Congo is. Like, for me, the way that this film is kind of, like, built is whatever they're... Honestly, they're not using a military plane. Like, come on. They're using the Congolese... If they are actually Congolese, I didn't know that was a word till we started this podcast and you said it's it. It's a good word, so isn't it? Yeah. It's a great word, yeah. So, technically, they're using the national airline, right? Um, Almost like a ruse, they're using it so that no one knows that they're, so they're, they're not involved. I thought the Congolese were in, but this was like a deal between the US dignitaries and the Congolese. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they found something in the Republic of Congo and they need to move it. They need to get it out to a military base, secure military base. Rather than fly in like Air Force One or some crap like that, they're using <laughs> the, the, this, film, the airline. And they are so they're kind of doing it like under the cover of, you know, a normal flight. But actually, obviously, someone does know because somebody brings down that plane. So have the Americans stolen 
these crates. We'll just call them no, the no, crates. No. We'll worry about what they are later. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No, the 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 Republic of Congo are very happy that they're taking them, whatever they are. We don't know <laughs> what they are. But I'm thinking perhaps there's been some sort of. Or just at the beginning, we don't know what they are. At the are. beginning, we don't know what they are. We don't know what right. They are. Okay. I was going to say, if at the end, I mean, that'd be quite the quite the suspenseful thriller if you never find out what's in the crates. Mm. No, but at the beginning, you don't know. All you know is some stuff is being transported. These guys are like, you know, handing it off to each other. They've shook hands in the airport. They've, they've got on the plane. Everybody's there. You can see people are nervous. They can see people are anxious. Would, would someone wipe away a bead of sweat? Yes, yes, very much. Yeah. Bead of sweat wiping. It's very much like the plane is empty apart from the dignitaries. So you know something's up already because you're on a you're on an empty kind of empty plane, commercial right? flight, Congolese so, National Airline, Con, Con yeah. Air. Um, Con Air, yeah. And um, they're flying. Everything's fine. The pilots are talking to each other. You know that bit of bants that they have. Oh, ha ha ha! Here's some bottled water. Thanks, stewardess. Blah blah blah. And then something goes wrong. There's right, beeping. No, let's go back. Let's go back. Talk to me about pilot banter. You always get it, don't you? On like films. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of films, but the films I have seen with pilots <laughs> in, probably not great. I saw Snakes on a Plane, and I think yeah. I saw another plane film a once. Snake based banter on that one, though. They, the pilot and the co pilot, are always like, oh, nice day for flying. And he's like, oh, yes, it is. How's your daughter? Yeah, she's fine. There's a bit of that kind of angle, right? It's like, it's, it's not, great not banter, imp- is it? How's your daughter? No, it's not great. Unless his, unless his daughter's quite hurt. He's like, how's your daughter? You know what I mean. You know exactly what I mean. There's that bit of like band. You know, they talk my, about my, the clouds. They might say something about the weather. Talk about um, clouds. Fucking hell. I, no. guess, I don't know how long this flight is, but they seem quite desperate for chat. They're just looking around for things to talk about. Again, nice, uh, nice clouds today, aren't they? No, no, like in a kind of weather front way. So they'd be like, oh, they, I don't like the look of those clouds on the horizon. No, there's a storm front coming in. Like, that's, anyway, there's a bit of this. Then there's a bit of like tower, tower, come in tower, all that kind of crap. Anyway, they're in the air and then stuff. He's got a bottle of water from the air stewardess. He like decaps it. He takes a swig and then stuff starts beeping on the console. I, I don't know that this happens. I'm just saying this is the type of drama. Right? I, I, yeah, I'm absolutely picturing it. Gets to give him the bottle of water, give, makes a cheeky comment to the air stewardess. Exactly. Gets yeah. the water and then. Stuff starts beeping, and the, both of them are like, shit, this isn't good. They start playing around with the instruments, moving some dials and stuff around. Obviously, they know what they're doing, but we don't. And right. beeping, they're like, oh, my God, we're losing altitude. We're losing altitude. What's happening? And we then come away from that because we're not part of that process. But the point is the plane goes down, right? So they, have they been shot down, or is it a mechanical failure? We don't know. So what we, At this point, we're led to believe there is a problem with the plane, right? We come right. to learn that, yeah, the baddies has somehow, I don't know, to be fair, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. I guess probably, no, they've tampered with the plane somehow, maybe the fuel injection system or something. It's not a shoot down. It's more of a plane tampering, if you will. Okay. Because the rest mm. of us, you've really thought through. So I don't want you having to just make stuff up. That would be awkward. These guys, though, let's just be clear here. These guys were not at fault. They did everything textbook. Like, they were calling each other by the first name. They were calling out bad clouds. They were, like, fucking bringing it home. It wasn't their fault. Somebody evil tampered with the plane. And this is because they want the cargo. This is what we know. This is on the flight back to the American airbase. Yes. Now, I don't actually know where the plane crashes, because it's certainly not in the Congo now, but it is in a jungle. So, I mean, I... 
I don't know if they took a, you know, a very direct flight route, but they've gone down in a drunk in a jungle or, you know, some form of jungle. So just I think that's to add intrigue to the film. Like you 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 go down somewhere easy, like, you know, an airport. It's got to be it's not... a jungle. It's got to be hard to find, right? Exactly. But, yeah. But you said that it's a, a, a gripping race against the clock. Who will find the plane? Who's looking for it? The people that brought it down. Uh... And then the... And then the U.S. military. And that's really where it kicks in. So there is a group of people heading to the place where they knew the plane would crash because they somehow set the plane, rigged the plane up to go down, right? So they're going through the jungle. They're a bit off. Maybe they've got a five-mile trek ahead of them. Um, and then you've got the U.S. guys who were like, they managed to get a message out, like, fuck me, we're crashing. Like, dude, send the, the heavies. Um, so it's a race. It's a race to the plane. It's a race. Like no one's even really caring whether the people were alive or dead. They need the cargo because whatever that is. So what has happened to the people on the plane? Are they alive or dead? Yeah, they, they're, they've, they're alive. The pilots are dead, unfortunately, but the um, dignitaries oh. survive. Yeah. And it turns oh, out okay. one of them is an ex like SAS member. So he's like, oh. he's, he's like put a knife in his mouth and just starts fucking <laughs> hacking, hacking vines and shit. So he's like, he's the point man. Um, yeah. They know something's up because the cargo is like open and it doesn't look okay. okay. It's like luminescing. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. It's always glowing. Yeah. Again, bubble wrap it, probably more protected. Probably, yeah. So they're like, we need to get away from this fucking plane now because they're like, he's like, this is no accident. I think maybe at that point he sees that someone's cut the fuel lines or something. You know what I mean? Like he really. There's evidence of tampering, let's say that. So he's okay. like, fuck, we've, we're in trouble. We need to get out of here. Um, I don't really know much more about it. That That is kind of... Okay, so let me recap. So they are travelling from uh, on a Con airplane from Congo to an American base. Someone has tampered with the plane. Mm-hmm. Plane crashes in the jungle, kills the pilot, kills the co-pilot, but luckily... There is an ex, uh, what na- Navy SEAL or whatever it is, and uh, knife in his mouth, probably ties. He puts a tie around his head or something like that to show that he means, you know. No, who would do that? Rambo, or who's people Rambo? at a Christmas party. Who's Rambo? Yeah, who's Rambo? Fuck me. Okay, I mean, at least I've heard of films. I know you've not seen them, but I've is heard he? of Oh, them. no, that's Wurzel Gummidge, is it? Is he a scarecrow? What, <laughs> what just went through your head that you confused Rambo with Wurzel Gummidge? Is he the guy? Oh, but he's a scarecrow. He's Wurzel Gummidge, right? He's a scarecrow. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. what just went through your head to get you from Rambo to Wurzel Gummidge? Because for a second I was visualising Wurzel Gummidge and thinking, oh, maybe his name is Rambo. And then I was like, no, he's not, is it? Yeah, Wurzel... what got you to the point of thinking that I might be talking about a scarecrow when we're talking about like a Navy SEAL in a plane with a knife in his mouth and you went, oh, yeah, I know that scarecrow. No, you said, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know Rambo was a Navy SEAL. You've just like ruined this for me now. I don't know if he was a Navy SEAL. He was something You like just that, told me ago. that he tied a tie around his head, which sounds like a fucking dickhead thing to do. Well, yeah, it's like a bandana. It's, he, he, so he's not a Christmas party and he puts a tie around his head. He's, right. It's like a band, red bandana. We'll add it to the list. Yeah, we'll add it to the oh, There's obviously a woman. Of course there is. Damsel in distress sort of thing. Exactly. You've got to have your damsel in distress. So there's a woman, damsel in distress type character, and he's gonna, he's gonna obviously help her. She's reluctant to even like 
leave the plane. She's got heels on. She's got a skirt with a slit in it. You know, that kind of nice. And a blouse. Are they, are they getting on from the start or are you looking at them going, there's no way those two are getting together? Well, you'd think there's no way, but. And then hang on. Do they get together? They do, yeah. It's great. It's romance. Would you watch Conair, like, based on, on, now, if you hadn't seen it? Which I assume you have Based on your it. description. I have, mm. but not for a while. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? I absolutely would watch your version of Con Air. Awesome. Because it is, like, one of those Rambo-type films, which apparently you've never even heard of. Is he, Is it a bit like the A-Team? You've heard of the A-Team, right? Um, oh the, the man, yeah, no, no, the, the man who won't, he, he doesn't want to be on a plane, right? <laughs> yeah. The- yeah. Yeah, the man who doesn't want to be on the plane. But as in, like, I'm imagining that whoever this dude is, he's got the woman with him. They're in the jungle. There's a load of people after him. And he's got to, like, improvise using whatever he can in the jungle to make weapons to fight people off. That's how I'm assuming it. Or is it yeah. not the case? Is he just kind of, make, you know, they just got to make their way somewhere you know, and then catch No, they, they, they've got two things. I mean, they, one, they've got to survive in the jungle, which is bad enough. And two, they've got a avoid the people that are trying to get the cargo because they're not going to let them live right so they're they're on a fight for their life this woman doesn't really realize that she's a bit of a dickhead but i mean he knows they've got to get to safety and um it, eventually they get airlifted out let's just say that right well just tell me how it ends then the u the got the baddies get apprehended basically and the u.s reclaim the crates and they like squirrel them away and the last kind of scene you know yeah. normally there's a kind of cutaway scene they're they're wheeling them into area 51 this is the cutaway. So you like. Oh, I was. I'll be honest. I, I'm a little disappointed in the end. Because Are you? I was expecting, yeah, like a spaceship to fly out the crates or. No. Or something. It's not like so a cartoon. I'm trying to get these boxes, and the end of the film is brilliant. Now we, we found the boxes, we can stick them back in the warehouse. Right, that's, no, your, they, that's the end of your film. They put boxes in the warehouse. They no, it's not. It's not just that. Like the the guy and the girl get together, the criminals get apprehended. You know, the pilots get a fucking funeral, which is nice for their wives and children. <laughs> and yeah, the and culture's then, important. Yeah. Bear in mind, we never knew what was in the boxes, right? We yeah. at the end of the film, we learn that it's Area Fifty One shit. It's like proper, and it leaves yeah. it open for Conair too. Does that exist? No. Okay, well, there we are. We could write that. I feel like maybe I've got a career ahead of me in film writing. I mean, definitely film ideas. Definitely. But ideas you come up with are very good. And so I think there is a... You do have the ability that someone could give you a film title and you come up with a whole storyline. The problem is, is that the film titles we're giving you are films that actually exist already. But so far, I feel like sometimes my films are better than the films that we're actually watching. And these are supposed to be classics, Ross. Yeah, they are classic. I mean, I wouldn't put Con Air in the classics oh, like, really? section. Hmm. It's an enjoyable film. I did ask earlier. I said, um, am I close with this one? Because I like to know what I'm coming into. And she looked at yeah. me and she said, not really, darling. That was her response. Yeah. I mean, which ones do you... Well, I know that you often feel that you get close. Because the rest of them. The title right. Oh, like... I've been smashing it and you know it. Um, and I reckon there's going to be definite that I'm going to have got this. There's going to be parallels, strong parallels. <laughs> How confident are you that this is the film that you're 
about to watch? This is one of my least confidences because, like I said, I didn't even know the film existed. I mean, I may have heard it of someone say it once, but it definitely isn't something that I'm like. I've, I sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm sure I've seen a poster for that, or I'm sure someone's referenced this character from it. I know nothing about this. Like, Ellie was like, "Do you know who stars in it?" I'm like, "No." Should, do, I, do you gonna, know? I was about to say that one thing that might be exciting for you is there's someone in this film who we've seen in another film. Oh, fucking hell, really? Okay. Oh, good. Okay, awesome. As long as it's not Tom Cruise, because I fucking hate him. Your face says, it. is it Tom Cruise? I'm not saying anything. Oh, it better not be, because that is real bad luck. By the way, I watched Top, Top Gun 2 the other day. Oh, everyone's watching it. It's doing my fucking head in. All these well, people saying, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, but the good news is you, you're not due to watch Top Gun 2 until 2053. Oh, so, amazing. Awesome. So you've got so, a bit of a Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be dead by then anyway. So You'll be watching it with your grandkids by then. Awesome. All right, well, should we go and watch this one then? Yeah, let's go and watch it. All right. Bye. Bye. Right, stay with us. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the listener, because I know that but always confuses you, Leah, and, but also welcome back to you. Hello. Hi, hi. Thank you for my own very special welcome. How are you? I'm good. I, I just said uh, just before we hit uh, go on the microphone that I wanted to give you some life updates and you were like, no, I need to talk about this film first. Yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil anything by like um, by saying anything before we fit, recorded this. Then I'm very happy to hear your life updates. Um, well, I've said before, like I get these messages from you whenever you've watched a film, and they normally say, "I have thoughts." And this time, you message saying, "Well, that was unexpected." And it's like, "Well, what? It wasn't set in the Congo, and it wasn't the national airline of the Congo." So yeah, I'd imagine most of these films are quite unexpected to you. Well, they 20- should be. You always think you've nailed it, but yeah. 25, 30 minutes into the film, I turned to Ellie and I went, oh, my God, they're convicts on an aeroplane. And she was like, I cannot believe it's taken you this long to get there. I was like, I'm not being funny, but I wasn't far off, was I? Okay, yeah. What? No, 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 no. I mean, no, no. I, I, granted, even I recognise that my film was very different to this one. <laughs> I wasn't like, far off. It's like... In terms of the naming cutlet of the film, right, it is like I was going for the Congolese or whatever you said they were called, National Airline, and actually it's the Convict Airline. So in a yeah. way, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of got that bit. It's like a so, bit of a play oh on words. God. I was yeah. happy. I was really happy with myself. I was like, oh, good. I, I Do you want to know whether I like the film or not? No, 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 because hang on a sec. You cannot say, yes, I basically got that because it's a play on words when your play on words was the Congolese National Airline and what it was actually was Convict Airline. You can't go, well, you know, pun's a pun. You can't claim that as getting close. I feel No, like... I'm not having it. All right, fine. Okay, fine. I would say this film was the most surprising to me of any film we've watched to date. So was that because you were like, this is not, this is not, a, a, nothing to do with, you know, aliens and the Congolese national, you know, national airline. What was the moment when you were like, ah, when he literally says, welcome to Con Air. Was that yes. when you were like, yeah, yeah, I made a note because I was like, how far into the film are we? And he's just said that. And I'm like, 
I'm just imagining you at that point going, ah. Ellie literally, she turned around to me and she said, I cannot believe it's taking you this long. And she just walked out of the room. Like, I, I think she just despairs, to be honest. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is when it that is when it sank in, actually. Yeah, I'm honest. Okay, so why why was this the most unexpected of the films to you, then? I actually... Sorry, my stomach just made a really <laughs> weird noise. I hope really I can weird. edit out. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so too. Um, if you can't, then, you know, enjoy. Um, <laughs> I just lost a lot of listeners. <laughs> I absolutely, like, I, I was, I was, I was in this film. Like, I was absolutely into it. So I really, really wanted to know what was going to happen. And that does not happen to me very often. Like, normally I'm just like, yeah, whatever, don't give a shit. <laughs> so I started out thinking, I was going to watch my film, which I always do because, you know, I'm an idiot. And then it transpired I wasn't going to watch my film. I was like, but actually, I can't like the cut of this film's jib. And so um, that's why it was surprising to me because I, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things that are not good about this film, but I actually really fucking enjoyed it. Wow. Like, so you enjoyed this more than Top Gun? Anything we've watched to date. Not more than Karate Kid. More than Karate Kid. This is my what new favourite. This is my new favourite. And I think it's absolutely made that point. So we watched another film with this man in it. Yeah. Nick Cage. Yeah. Is that This is the mate the guy with the long hair, yeah. So this yeah. was one of the notes I made because I'm like, will you have noticed that we've literally like, you know, not however long ago I was gonna say literally and then a n- number. Couldn't work out what the number would be. Not long ago we watched him on another film. So you did recognise him immediately. I recognised him immediately. Not immediately, but I recognised him. Oh, my God. And right. what I found myself doing was going, oh, my God. So this is the man who played National Treasure. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> the man who was in National Treasure is the man in the film where they take the faces off. Oh, my God. It's the same man. So I was like, okay. And I remember that in the face-off um, encounter, you know, I critiqued him somewhat. I mean, I said his acting was good. But I said also that, for me, he was the man from National Treasure. He is now forever the man from Conair because, oh, my fucking God, like, and also I love him. I think, you know, I just think he's, he's, I mean, I told you, I think the only thing I actually sent you during the film was that I might have a crush on another man. Yeah. Um, so now I'm I'm thinking about, have you got the right man that you would, which one have you got the crush on and which one did you think was amazing? Because Nick Cage, when we yeah. watched Face Off, we both agreed was was ridiculous in that film but in this film he was wonderful i mean okay yeah you he convinced was wonderful. He despite had the forest gump accent yeah I, I i loved the fact that he was like a genuine like you could see that he wasn't really a criminal like he you know he, there were so many points in that film where he t- actually t- got, okay t- t- talk me through that tell me how you could see he wasn't really a criminal there's no way that if you are set upon by four people in a parking lot if you, regardless of your training, right, regardless whether you're a fucking Navy SEAL or a, you know, karate kid, if four people set upon you in a, in a fucking parking lot and you accidentally kill one of them, no fucking way are you going to prison for 12 fucking years. I mean, if that is true, the justice system is fucking flawed. But the judge made a very good point, which is that he... Uh, has the ability because because he's been through all the training and everything he should have the ability to not engage in that fight he could have got in the car and driven away they didn't attack his wife 
But hang on, the judge, the judge doesn't know any of that shit. Like, hang on a minute, the judge wasn't there. The judge wasn't watching the fucking fight occur, right? He could have indeed not engaged. He could have got in the car, yeah. granted, right? But you don't know. They could have gone over to the car and pulled him out of the car. And to be fair, before he started beating the living crap out of them, he was on the floor taking kicks to the stomach. So I'm sorry, I don't agree. If you are trained, regardless of if you're trained or not, if you're four fucking idiots are set up on one person in the car park, you deserve to get your fucking head kicked in. That is my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. So to that point, right, from the beginning, I was like, poor fucking guy. Yes, he shouldn't have engaged. I do agree with you. He should have got in the car and driven off. And we will come back to this later because he's obviously got some fucking hero complex, right? But regardless of all of that stuff, then he goes to prison and the whole time he's in prison, he's not causing shit. He's making friends with people. He's giving away things to that little man, that little marshmallow goo, goo dads. When they get on the plane, he's like sticking out for his buddy. Like, no, I'm not going to leave you. He stops that dickhead from raping that guard. Like, he stops that other guy from killing all those people. Like, he is not a bad guy. And if you're telling me that prison is like, prison has not turned him into a a convict, right? He is still straight up good guy who probably should have just got in the car and gone home. Yeah, I mean, look, that that is the thing. So, but firstly, you're saying, oh, look, he's clearly a good guy. Yeah, he's the hero of the film. So, yeah. But he could have got in the car, he could have driven away. The judge said to him, like, you've. I don't think he's the hero of the film. What? No. What do you mean? Of course he is. Mm, I'm not sure. To be fair, no, I, I would argue the one I'm in love with, I'm not actually in love with him, but I do have a crush on him. Um, and Everyone has can... a crush on John Cusack, that's what. When I, oh. I was like, I wonder, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, I was like, say to you, oh, have you seen? And I know the answer to whatever I say is no. Yeah, so... I've never seen that man before in my life. What? Re- really? Well, I mean, maybe okay. I've seen him in like a poster or something, but I Maybe I've seen a movie with him, but I don't remember. But he is, there's something about him that is just charming. Um, so for me, he was the hero. So why, why was he the hero? Because he just, he didn't really get involved. He's oh, really, he, I mean, on the admin side, he was very strong. He got involved, man. If it wasn't for him, this whole thing is falling apart. He was the one who realised that your hero was actually on the plane and could be an ally. So he wasn't my hero. He was the film's hero. The film has a hero. He's more, he's at best sidekick. I don't want to jump to the end of the film, but I'm going to because it needs to happen now. <laughs> there is no way in the world that anybody who turns up after eight years in prison to meet his daughter for the first time with a rabbit that has gone through some <laughs> serious trauma, yeah, and yeah. looks like a fucking, like, he's just pulled it out of a sewer. Literally, I believe he did actually pull it out of a sewer at one point. And then tries to talk to the child when he's covered in blood and mud and he's got a bullet in his arm is a hero because that kid is going to be fucking traumatised <laughs> for life. And for me, at the end of the film, I said to Ellie, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is with these movies in the 90s? Face off. Remember all that fucking strokey face bullshit? <laughs> yeah. If you haven't listened to Face Off, go back and listen to it because it's a classic. I'm telling you now, <laughs> seriously, that whole situation, you know, with that, oh, I've just brought home a kid whose father I killed, who killed my father, who killed our child, who, whatever it was. I can't even remember. It was so fucking stupid. It's on a par with this shit. She's the, not only that, he's had so many opportunities to see this, to see this woman, right? And 
He's there. He's done. Everything's good. What does he do? Gets on a fucking motorbike and chases his... Oh, my God. This... Do you know what my thought there was? I'm like, you're about... You know, you've, you've been in prison for... What is it? Eight years? I yeah, guess seven, or, seven or eight, isn't it? Yeah. Seven or eight years. We should have really have remembered that. Um, he... He's about to see his daughter for the first time. He's like, I didn't want my daughter to see me in prison. Right. You didn't think of having a haircut because you look like you've just got out of prison. Why not have a haircut? You looked very smart when you went in. You had all your army costume or whatever it was. He said right? that. Why though. not? He said I was well, going to get a haircut. At one point, he actually said I was. He's like, when were you? Because, yes, a lot of fucking drama. You've had seven years, mate. Yeah, exactly. You had a lot. You've had a tough day. I'll give you that. It's been a tough flight. <laughs> Right. What were you doing yesterday? <laughs> Why could you not get your hair cut yesterday? You knew you were cut. And everyone knows as well, right? You, once you get your hair cut, you need a few days for it to, to settle in. I don't, my, my hair's not quite like that, but I, I remember. Like, you need mm. a few days for your hair to settle in. So yeah. don't wait until the day you're about to get out of prison to get your hair cut. No. Get it done a few days before. Let it sort of, you know, you're never happy when you walk away from the barbers, even in prison. I'm sure that's the same. You know, let it grow out a little bit. That, I think for me, that was the biggest mistake in the whole film. I felt like I had a lot. I had a lot in common with him at one point because <laughs> I was because you, being... you also killed a man by punching him in the face, didn't you? We don't talk about that enough. But you had mentioned in one of the other episodes about how you should have been sacked from. Little Chef, I'm going to assume anger is to do with at least one of those. I feel like, well, I mean, in the end, I was fired from the Little Chef. Oh, not fired directly. but You I never was... told me why. Because we got distracted by the toilet story. Yeah, my God, yeah. There was a number of incidences. I'll tell you one today, but I'm not going to tell you them all. Yeah, this will be an occasional, I, I might make a um, a little, you know, a, little, a sting, a little bit of music, especially for, for the Little Chef stories. incident um did not get me in trouble because i think i talked to you before about sandy my manager she used um fagash sand she just used sandy to, yeah gravel voice cigarette over the soup pot like you know she was she was brilliant i fucking love sandy <laughs> she didn't work a lot she spent a lot of time in the smoking area but i loved her she's just she's class act class act anyway so um, low, low standards really health and safety but very sure. very low standards yeah like we all got lunch this is like a little tidbit for you you all got lunch with a little chef you could have whatever you wanted off the menu and a drink and such right. um sandy would have a um what they called a toasted tea cake that was it nice she have totally right. i have a toasted tea cake i want it dry and a cup of tea <laughs> no damn no butter like literally she'd throw Ooh. them in the bin she'd throw them in the bin she'd just get the toasted tea cake throw the accoutrements in the bin Go to the smoking area, toasted tea cake, cup of tea, cigarettes. And that was it. That was her every day. Every day. You know, ask her, what do you want for lunch, Sandy? I think I'll have a toasted tea cake. Dry. I loved her. Brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> Love so, the research. Dry. 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 Yeah. So we, I think I may have mentioned this before as well. I told you about the bread rolls, but also little yeah. chef. I'm, I'm sure they've changed their game now. No offence, but this is going back mm. a bit. And to be fair, it wasn't good. Um, if you produce a beverage or food that was returned um unless it was in it wasn't your fault as in you know it was the chef's fault you got that doctor from your wages just so you understand so 
I had these two business guys, businessmen. I say that they were in suits. I mean, anyone, any fucker can put a suit on, but they look businessy, you know. Um, to my young, Gangsters, okay. my young age, um, and they ordered two cafetiers of coffee, individual cafetiers, may I say? Um, and I came over with a tray and I, I gave them two cafetiers of coffee, two cups, and some milk, and um, off I went about my business. So these guys obnoxiously summoned me to their table in the first instance. So it was like kind of like click, click, like waitress, waitress. So I went over and I was like, yes. And they were like, can we have some cafetiers of coffee, please? And I was like, yes, no problem at all. Made the cafetiers of coffee, took them over to the table, put them down, went about my business. About 20 minutes later, I get like, waitress, waitress. So I went over and they went, um, these are cold. It's like, well... Yeah, I mean, tends to happen when beverages are left undrunk. But didn't say anything. I just said, okay, let me make you some fresh ones. Knowing full well that, that was like, I think they're about £2.60 at the time, if memory serves. So I've just worked two hours for fuck all because I was on three quid an hour at the time. So I took those back to the kitchen. I made two fresh pots of cafetiere. Didn't even just top up with water. I was very reasonable. Um, and uh, took out the new fresh cafetiers to the table, put them down went about my business and about 20 minutes later the fucker clicked at me again and said sorry these are still cold so i put them on the tray had they, had they drunk some of them no they didn't push the they didn't push the fucking blunder down they didn't understand the concept of a cafetiere clearly because they just left it fucking hell anyway so they, they don't understand the concept of of heat and how that dissipates over time that might not be the right word no it's the right word yeah no fucking concept no idea about cafetiere no no idea about fuck all so i got the cafetiers and i put them on the tray in front of me and i just stood there for a second i thought i'm not working in this shithole for four hours without getting paid without some sort of recourse so i just knocked the cafetiers into their laps and they, <laughs> and they both went like you know a little jump you do and i went well, that was fucking cold, was it? And I walked <laughs> out of the back. So there's two men now with laps full of sold and coffee. And Sandy was like, smooth, that was smooth, that was. She had to go out there and be like, I'm really sorry, we'll fire her, we'll get rid of her, it's fine. I'll grow. The coffee will be on the house, I'll make you a new pot. But she didn't fire me for that for that instance. But So um, you, she watched you tip coffee over to undercover FBI agents clearly and we, we we know that from watching some of these films and she congratulated you on it she did yeah yeah sandy is pretty cool isn't she yeah she was we did have though and i'll have to really i think her name was janet but i'm gonna have to go back and see if i've written it down somewhere who was like the area manager and when she came into town fuck me that was a different that was a different ship i mean whew, like, anyway. at, like at school when it's uh when there's a ofsted Probably they tried to send you away when the inspector was there because you are like the absolute nightmare child, right? He's going, we don't normally have pictures on the wall. I once got uh, on the way into class. I'm going to blame the teacher for this entirely. 98%. He made us wait outside the room. You couldn't just walk in. He would make wait until you're all out there. So you're just all in this busy corridor. Like loads of other kids trying to swim class. And as we walk in, like, you know, single file. I went, hope it's an exciting class for us today. Obviously being Saki. And he told me to wait outside. Then he forgot about me. I was out there literally the entire hour lesson. 
And then at the end of it, he then gave me a lunchtime detention because I'd missed the work. Oh my god, he sounds awesome. I got sent out of I got sent out of physics, uh, Mr. Vaughan. I called someone a cunt. Um, wow, yeah, that was much worse than me just being a bit sarky. But again, like, I wasn't bad at school. Like, genuinely, I was not bad. But this guy was really, really, like, just being a dick. And I just turned around and went, stop being a cunt. And he heard me. <laughs> he was like, get out of my class. And he made me sit at my own table outside of his classroom for, like, four weeks. I mean... I could barely hear what he was saying. There was no benefit to anybody about this. And this is a guy who once got up on the desk and played a guitar and he wore leather pants. Oh my God. So, double Hold on, he wore leather pants as a teacher yeah, at school. Le- leather pants. And then sat on his fucking desk, like legs <laughs> playing a fucking guitar to the school. Oh my God. But did, he, did he flirt with the girls? Lot, one of them? A lot of people. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people had a bit of a thing for Mr. Vaughan. He was about 12. Did you have a teacher who wore cartoon ties? No, but we had a graphics teacher called Mrs. Carstairs, Mary Carstairs. She was fucking awesome. She designed the John Player special logo on the cigarettes. Yeah. Um, and she was fucking amazing. She wore, like, she'd wear tights with, like, lemons on them and then shoes that didn't match. And, like, cardigans that had, like, like dried up avocados for buttons she was a fucking free spirit <laughs> i loved her one day she brought into the lesson she just brought in all these fish like decapitated fish like fish eyes like hooked out fish eyes she brought it all in she just laid it all down and went guys let's just draw these fish and everyone was just like what she was amazing she was fucking honest I, she was awesome i loved her i loved her i think i i think i told you about a teacher we had an, an art teacher who died a few years ago and he was very short. And I think he he I think he had purposely wanted to be seen as a bit quirky. I mean, he was definitely a little bit weird and he he either was a little bit weird, but he would leave the room and um, you'd lock the door and lock him out. And there's like a little window. And because he was very short, he could just sort of he couldn't fully fit, but enough that you could see him. And then after a bit, you'd you know, someone to go let him in. And then he would go out again, like five minutes later. And we're like, what's wrong with you? So you'd lock him out again. And the whole class was obviously in on it. And eventually, you know, he'd, you know, you'd, you'd let him back in. And then he had a little art room at the back, uh, like of, you know, I don't know, whatever gear they have. And, you know, I guess it was the dark room, that sort of thing. You'd lock him back there as well. Every class that ever had this teacher did this to him, which is why I think he must have done it on Madness. purpose. I bet he was because in it's there. like, dude, un- undo the lock. I bet Have, take a key with you. He was probably jacking off. I mean, I'm not being funny. I, <laughs> I bet you this is the way you're off. He's like, you think you're winning, you're locking me in this room, and I'm perving at you through this tiny little bit of door, and I'm fucking... Do you reckon, so you, what you're saying is you think he was wanking in the corridor? I think he was wanking wherever you locked him, Ross. And I think he was <laughs> loving life. That's I mean, it. he... He has died, so I'm fairly confident that we can name him and we wouldn't get into trouble, but we should probably go back to the film. Yes, please. So one thing that I wonder, so he's, you said about how well he spent his time in prison, which was essentially growing his hair, sending some letters, doing press-ups and stuff. I think learning languages, no? I think he oh, learned... yeah, he learned Spanish, Yeah. which well... I don't really remember coming back later in the film. It felt like that was being set up for something, but... Maybe he understood some of what was going on on the uh, com, com plane. 
I think they rushed to finish the film, if I'm honest. I think they got to the point where they were like, right, okay, the plane has landed. We can't do anything more here. Okay, yes, we can. We can crash it into the Vegas Strip. And All right. have a so, hold on. Yeah, so let's just rewind on that because I thought there was, about that plane landing thing, some very poor decision-making, right? So, as we said, your, your crush, um, John Cusack, he's, very, he's the admin man. He's, he's, he thinks it through. He's working it all out. And they want to get the, they don't want to, uh, the other guy, the one you don't like, he wants to shoot the plane down over the desert. No civilians are going to get hurt. And they said, no, we can't do that because of this one man. Therefore, we can't shoot the plane down. Not just so the one man. Stay up. It's not just the one man. There's four guards and a woman. So there's five. Okay. Five. So there's five. five. And they said, we can't, we can't do that because we can't, uh, we can't hurt these civilians. And then he was like, right, so can you land it over on that airstrip over there? And the pilot says, no, I don't have enough petrol. I'm going to have to crash it into there. Why did no one ask him in the first place? Because that could have come into consideration with their decision making. Because it would have been a choice of, do you want to crash it into the Vegas Strip? Or do you want to crash in the in the, uh, uh, in the the desert somewhere? Because that killed a lot of people. It must have done. He's a bad dude. I don't think anyone died. I think it was fine. See, how that... Did you not see it literally avoided everything? As the plane came in, cars, buildings, hotels, casinos, they just bits of planes are flying around, bits of a bit of a hard rock guitar fell. Like they're that's taking out casualties. There's no way that that no one's been killed out there. There's no way there's an look, Vegas is a lot of elderly people. They're heart attack city. I think maybe you're taking this all a bit too seriously. Wow. Yeah. How the tables have turned. The thing is, Ross, <laughs> I really, really like this film. Like, so I mean, there's nothing I can say then? No, no, there is. I mean, there is. Like, like you say, there is a lot of issues, right? Definitely, definitely should have shot the plane down over the desert, but there wouldn't be a film if they did that. Him jumping on the bikes at the end, absolutely unbelievable. That whole right. storyline subplot with the fucking cannibal, the guy who was like, one day I killed a seven-year-old and wore her head, her, wore her head to dinner. Remember that well, bit? Yeah, he said he wore his, he wore her head as a hat, and I'm like, I don't see how that would work because kid's head is going to be smaller than your head. Tiny so hat, how though. are you going to wear that as a hat? Tiny hat, like literally just tiny hat. I, just I, like a tiny little hat on top. He was again like, like these aren't big plot issues, but I'm like, you've got a. They should have thought about that when you say about the bits with the motorbike. What bothered you about that? I mean everything. One. This guy has not been out of prison for eight years. He gets on a bike and he's got those skills. Secondly, when he was hanging from that monkey bar setup, dodging the sphere, I can't say that word, spear. Sphere? No, spear. Spears. Oh, spears. Yeah. Right. Remember the guy was like spearing him through the monkey bars like this with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like dodging them, hanging from one arm with a bullet in it. Like, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is ridiculous. Didn't even flinch when he got shot. No, just amazing. That whole bit. All of, that's why I say I think they rushed the ending. I think they panicked towards the ending. They were like, fuck, we've crushed, we've, we've, um, we've crashed the plane on the strip. Fuck, we've got to end the movie. And I think that whole bit was a bit of a rush job. For me, that was the weakest part of the film, particularly because his wife and daughter were like, oh, we'll just wait, don't worry, go and do another fucking chase for no bloody reason. Like, And Ellie was like, yeah, but that guy did just say, I'm going to fucking breathe all over your daughter and that's the last thing she's going to... Like, <laughs> by breath is going to be the last thing that she sees before she dies or whatever. And it's like, yeah. 
It's not your fucking problem. Just get your daughter, move to a different state and go, like, go. The two ridiculous bits and the very varying, uh, the amount of ridiculousness is, uh, one, the amount, the amount of damage that the guy took. He was like, he was being shot at. He's been in a plane that's crashed. He'd already had some like fights on the way. Then he had that huge fall and then he lands on some electricity things and then he lands on something else. And you're like, this guy is still every time he just, in that very sort of like 80s, 90s action film way, like they take a ridiculous amount of hits and then keep on going. And eventually, like I don't know what that thing was, but it, you know, it came down on his head and, and killed him. But on the other thing that got me as ridiculous, and they go to, to chase after him on the police motorbikes. And I'm like, why have all the police motorbikes got the keys in? Like that, I mean, what sort of standard is that setting? that the Las Vegas police keep all their motorbikes in a row and they all keep the keys in so anyone can just come along and jump on the back of them. I think like now, I said, both... they rushed it. This is it, they rushed it. They didn't even think that They should have the taken way. more time over that bit. They should have, yeah. I mean, and and I want a second film about the, the hat child-wearing hat man. Because <laughs> really? for me, oh, my God, yeah. That whole bit in the swimming pool where she's all like, I'm a little bit of hillbilly kid, and they're singing the song and it's all like, that that is his own movie. That is fucking. That is going to win some bloody prestigious oh, film award. Loved it. Trippy yeah, as fuck. <laughs> Trippy as fuck. He didn't die. They they could have kept. They could have done that. Maybe they were going to. And he didn't kill her. So what happened there? Like she made him sing. He didn't kill her. Is he actually a criminal at all? Has the whole thing been a ruse? And then he just goes to the casino, and you're like, hang on. Is he yeah. a good guy? Yeah. <laughs> like they sort of do it at, at the end of him, like, oh look, he's just happy. He's playing, you know, he's he's in the in the in the casino. Oh, story arc that was not explored. That for me is the new film. Like that's the film I want to see made. Yeah, that is. So I'm going to give this film an eight and a half out of ten. Sweet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let, let let me give you the amazing fact that I just learned about this film. The director is the first film he'd ever directed. Do you know what hit the like highlight of his CV was before then? I know that the director was Jerry Bruckheimer because no, that's the producer. Oh right, fine. I thought it did really produced... well. I saw that come that out. Was, that was very good because that's a that's an actual film thing that you now know. That's yeah, great. Jerry Bruckheimer always does like action films as well. So whenever you we start one of these films and you see it saying Bruckheimer, then you know it's going to be an action film. Okay. Trying to so you remember this for future. So that's how quickly you'll realise that your synopsis will be wrong. Because in the opening credits you'll see that. Don't we'll give see. me that face. We'll see. Um, we'll see. The director of this film, he directed Never Gonna Give You Up, the video for Rick Astley. Oh my god, that's amazing. To be fair, that makes sense. <laughs> how does that make sense? Because both of them are works of art in their own right. Genius. I'm seeing genius. So this film for you is it's, you can't say it's genius level, are you? Every single thing about it that I need from a film was covered, right? So I need, like, I need somebody that I can believe in. I believed in him. He was flawed, but he was okay. Um, I needed drama, but not to the level that I felt uncomfortable. I never felt uncomfortable throughout the whole film. I was like, it's all going to work out in the end. Tick. <laughs> I needed somebody to be like, mm, hello. Normally, I get that from my uh, ladies, but this guy, whatever his name was, Kuzak. Kuzak, John Kuzak. Perhaps he's got a sister who's also an actress. So it had that whole bit. 
um, had a bit of drama, had a bit of intrigue, like that bit, oh my God, and they had the best line ever. So you know you said to me, oh, this is so, I can't believe we forgot to say this. So you told me that we watched that film, The Terminator, and there's that moment where The Terminator walks into a police station. I love station. how you emphasise for, t- for the... And then he walks into the police station, he's like, I need to see so-and-so, and they're like, no, you can't. And he's like, okay, I'll be back in a bit. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, my God, that's iconic. And, oh, my God, it's iconic. Or when we watched them um, Flight Club, um, no, what's it called? Flight Plan, oh. Top Gun. They, <laughs> they, when they're in their, in their bar, they're like, you can be my wing buddy. And you were like, oh, my God, this is iconic, right? Oh, all of that yeah. stuff. All of that stuff. Nothing is as good as, you know, one of the characters in this is called Cyrus the Virus. Yeah. yeah. So... There's this moment where the guy who's supposed to have organised their plane out of um, the, the hellhole place where they're, they're kind of sticking around, waiting, he actually did organise the plane, but for him, he was never going to get Cyrus the virus out of there. So yeah. they crash the plane. The good guys crash the plane so it can't take <laughs> off. And then this guy comes out of the like wreckage of the plane and he's like covered in like fuel and cuts and bruises. He's like, I'm sorry, I was, I was going to come for you. And he was like, you lie, you bastard, whatever. And then he gets a match and he holds <laughs> up this match and he throws it. And the, the baddie goes, Sigh, like for Cyrus the Bible. Sigh. <laughs> Sigh. And he goes, Anara. And he throws the match and the guy just goes up in flames. Oh my fucking God. That is like the best thing ever. I fucking loved it. This is what we should be saying to one another, right? <laughs> <laughs> this- you want that to be the sign off? I want- the official sign off. Sayonara, love it. It's just, it's just uh, beautiful, beautiful. You think that's better than the two which I've got written down, which is, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. And this is your barbecue and it tastes good. Yeah, both of those were awesome. Also, when he goes about the bunny, something like, it's his voice and he goes, I told you now, why did you have to go and touch the rabbit? Like, it's just... <laughs> Put the bunny back in the box. This film had so many of those moments but the sayonara one for me was just the fact that his name was like cyrus anyway it just everything like fit together so this is at the top for you of the film so far are you keeping this is a your log? favorite are you keeping a log because yeah this is i'm keeping favorite. a mental log because okay. you know i can't bear to put this in writing i'd like a chart to be fair um at the moment this is my favorite yeah in fact i'm gonna go out there and say it's probably my all-time top 10 what I mean, okay, so things that we're going to do is is one at the end of this first series. We're going to score the films. May, maybe we even do an ep- episode just where we compare all the different films. Okay, we'll make and we'll score all the films and, we'll, and I'll make a lovely chart. Do it in PowerPoint and and we'll put it up. But also, at maybe separately, we'll have a chat about your top ten films of all time. That could just be another special episode. I don't think I've got ten at the moment. I think I've probably. <laughs> But I'm so where in your top ten? Now this is in your top ten. Where in your top ten? Bearing in mind you can't think of ten films. Where does this go? I'm going to put it about six for now. I don't think I've got six others. Okay. If you, if the ten slots are open, I'm going to say that the sound of music is number one because it is just awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to probably have some other future. musicals in there somewhere along the line. This is going to go. Poppins will be in there. Yeah. I, I'm going to put it in. It's it, so far. Um. Yes, yeah, wow. I mean this. I think it says more about the lack of films you've seen 
that this makes it in your top 10. Although when I told my mate that we were, <laughs> he did message me the other day, Lewis, saying that he got a shout out. So again, shout out to Lewis. Told me that Face Off was one of his favorite films and it's like an annual tradition that they watch it. And I'm like, I don't think I could bring myself to watch that every year. Like just okay. that face stroking thing creeps me out. Like I'm not watching that every year. And that random like gun shooting up bit where there's all that yeah and all those issues with social services like i don't think i could get beyond that okay well look it's it's good to know that we that this has made your top 10 is is karate kid up there as well no no it wouldn't make the list my friends no i loved that film i loved it i loved it yeah and top 100 let's say i mean there must be what you you have not watched 100 films i know for a fact you've never watched 100 films ross Understand me now when I say this to you. When I say top 100, when you imagine your top 100 films, you imagine 100 films on a shelf in an order. When I say top 100, I imagine an empty shelf with room for 100. Now, I'm saying The Karate Kid, as it stands today, is on that shelf somewhere, okay? Now, as we go through this experience, it might move up a bit. It might move down a bit. But if we watch more films like Con Air, it might end up slipping to that second shelf. So... (laughs) let's all try and you know keep things in perspective that's all i'm gonna okay (laughs) okay well look let's let's leave it there on what i think was a high i should be pleased uh that you know you've seen another film you're happy about it it's in your imaginary top 10 um yeah let's leave it there until uh also of course on on our new official uh sign off sigh (laughs) Anara! Jesus. <laughs>